The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on another edition of Winning Ponies. So happy that uh, that you're tuning in and really enjoy the uh, the, the feedback that I, I get from you folks. Uh, most of it uh, pretty good, as a matter of fact. Of course, uh, they're not listening to me. They listen to all the great guests that I bring on every week. Uh, once again, I got a first-time starter and a wily veteran. The first-time starter out of the gate after this first segment is none other than Natalie Turner. Uh, Some of you may have seen her on horseback the last time you saw her. Uh, She's a graduate of Chris McCarran's North Racing Racing Academy. Uh, She started out in the Ohio, Northern Kentucky program, rode at Ellis, and, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, did her best that she could riding, and then all of a sudden realized, you know, I'm just not sure that there's always a paycheck at the end of the week. Uh, You know, it's uh, not the easiest of sports, and uh, I'm still young and smart and rather attractive. And she got a job uh, as the marketing director at Belterra Park, and uh, she's just starting out. I've had some good conversations with her. As a matter of today, we were on the phone talking about uh, something I used to do before I left that track, and that was uh, arranging the jockey's visit to Cincinnati's Children's, which is just a heartwarming event. And I've got the jockeys always asking me, hey, let's do this more. More than once, you know. So uh, Natalie has pitched it to the powers to be there. And that's just one of the many things that she hopes to bring back. So I think it's kind of neat that somebody in marketing didn't come from a casino, but actually came from the racetrack. So I think she lends a, a very nice uh, positive and a new dimension to a marketing department. So want to you know, first find out about her career when she started out and everything. I think she was riding horses when she was about uh, seven years old. Uh, but I, I do want to find out that somebody her age, um, you know, and what her plans are, what she thinks that, that her generation wants to see at the races and what we can do to keep the sport light and lively and likable for that generation. And then second out of the gate, the wily handicapper handicap horse none other than steady eddie meyer the man that used to ride this microphone but now he is the track announcer at belterra park and uh He's also the odds maker, and also for us here at Winning Ponies, uh, he writes columns. So uh, there's a lot to do when you when you come to Winning Ponies. I mean, as always, I, I want to uh, thank our sponsor, uh, Woodbine, and I'm uh, going to try to create a very good relationship with Woodbine over the year because uh, – John Cisco says he's going to be able to segue me into some of the top people from Canada uh, for interviews, especially when they start really getting in on their uh, top races. So that's going to be fun. But again, I want to thank uh, everybody from Woodbine for being a sponsor of Winning Ponies. And I want to remind you that uh, we're right now, racing's starting to pick up again. The weather's getting warm. The dead of winter is over, thank God. And uh, so a lot of different tracks are opening up and running so many open up right around derby day that you really want to 
come over to Winning Ponies and get our easy win forms. I'm, I'm not going to give the name out of our handicapping contest, but we did have a contest that uh, gave out 200 cold cash and a lot of points we can get free easy win forms, but you had to play the game at Churchill Downs in order to do it. But just last week, uh, for example, so it's a variety of the tracks that uh, we had fun at. Uh, Tampa Bay Downs. Um, this was uh, on the day after the Derby at Tampa Bay. Uh, a 50-cent pick five that paid 1865 And then this afternoon... At Pimlico, we had a $1 super that paid $1,341. Then again, day after Derby at Laurel, $1 super high five paid $1,287. And let's not forget our friends in West Virginia at Charlestown had a $1 super box paid $1,261. All off the easy win forms at Winning Ponies. Well, I'm not sure what you were doing on Saturday. I will share with you what I was doing. I was down at Louisville, Kentucky, a little racetrack called Churchill Downs. And this was the first year in about 35 years that I was not working for a publication or I was not at a racetrack coordinating their Derby Day events. Um, I did do some backup work for JR Communications at Churchill, but it didn't demand me to cover every single race. So I said, you know what? I'm looking at the extended weather map. I'm saying, you know, it's supposed to be a beautiful sunny day. I'm going to strap on my camera, walk the backstretch, get pictures of all these people from the Kentucky HBPA, watch people getting their horses ready, watch the winning horses get their baths after all the stakes races they had. It's going to be a marvelous day. Well, of course, they moved the rain from Oaks Day to Derby Day. And in my first day of just taking in all that is Kentucky Derby Day, they set a record for the most rain ever. <laughs> Some guys have all the luck. Well, anyhow, it was it was a marvelous day. Uh, had a great time with trainer Pat Doopy and his other half, five-time Eclipse Award-winning writer Jenny Reese, who runs JR Communications. And Pat is from New Orleans. His father was a jockey there and a trainer there. And uh, what Pat knows how to do better than anybody I know is throw a crawfish boil. And we had one of the best. He timed it out so that everything was cooking and firing up about an hour before the derby. Of course, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. And so right after the derby was done, man, he put a table, two tables together, poured those crawfish, onions, garlic bulbs, potatoes, sausage, and I'm probably missing some other things, minus the humongous crawfish he had on the table. And everybody that was under his shed row had a blast and was uh, just treated to a marvelous uh, crawfish boil. So again, want to thank Pat and Jenny. It was great. Might do it again next year. Keep my fingers crossed. Maybe the sun will be shining. But that was my Derby Day experience. I hope that you had a good one. Uh, of course, uh, what we now know, what's in the books, is the curse of Apollo has been broken. That's right. You no longer have to run it two in order to win the Kentucky Derby. We've seen a lot of horses try it, and it never happened until a son of scat daddy out of a ghost zapper mare stage magic got the job done 
justify. Mike Smith in the saddle was uh, always, uh, you know, near the lead. He was at worst in second, and uh, he let uh, uh, promises fulfilled as expected, uh, set the pace. But with six furlongs left, he took over. I was up on the far turn, and all of a sudden, he led them into the far turn. And Mike must have had him off the rail a little bit because he didn't have a whole lot of mud on him, and he was looking good, uh, just galloping strong, uh, floating through the air. Mike, at that point, was still not really fully asking him. You can see from his uh, position in the saddle, he was just guiding to where he wanted to go before he really got down and, and started riding. And, of course, uh, you know, m- meantime, he had the uh, entire 19 horses behind him and cleared off by two and a half lengths. Once again, I believe now this was the seventh year setting a record for the favorite winning the Kentucky Derby. Paid $7.80. That's not bad for betting a favorite. Normally, you get like four twenty, seven eighty. not bad. Now, in the second spot, it was Good Magic, who uh, had a nice ride by Jose Ortiz, kind of settled into uh, into fifth, and, uh, you know, he was in hand uh, early, shifted out, made his run at Justify near in the quarter pole. He tried, but uh, just flattened out slightly, but who didn't, first time trying a mile and a quarter. And in the third spot, it was Audible, with Javier Castellano, he was between horses early, uh, you know, picked up momentum and, uh, you know, made a, uh, a solid move. He, he was a little bit farther back, you know, at one point he was 12th in the race and ended up just missing second. Good magic outlasted him by a head. So that was the outcome of the Kentucky Derby. Good news is justify. Today, had an easy gallop, and all systems are go to go to Pimlico for the Preakness Stakes. Now, there was a lot of questions about, I believe it was one of his hind legs. Uh, They said that uh, there was a bruise to his left heel and that maybe he had a little hitch in his get-along. But they say when he started galloping, he looked absolutely fantastic. Of course, you know, there was a big shadow about, uh, you know, the, uh, the the back leg. But, no, everything is just fine. Uh, and so throw out the videos you saw of him being off slightly. And, uh, you know, well, all I can say is that, uh, you know, Baffert's happy. Jimmy Barnes is happy. Uh, everybody feels he's going to be just fine for the Preakness. Now, Mike Smith was almost not fine for the Preakness. He got suspended this week for a ride on Sunday uh, but the thing is because he's going to be riding at a graded stakes race it looks like he will the weird thing is the race that he got suspended for he did not get taken down from and so the stewards decision is drawn a lot of criticism it's like you don't take the horse down but then you find the jockey and give him days uh that could prevent him from running in a triple crown race. You got to be kidding me! All right, real quick, I got about a minute left. Uh, it looks like Bolt the Oro is still under consideration. Uh, he's been jogging at Keeneland. I would not be surprised that if, if Bolt the Oro didn't come back. Uh, the Derby was the second meeting between him and Justify. They ran one-two in the Santa Anita Derby, and uh, so. Uh, uh, you know, he didn't catch Justify that day. Again, with the sloppy conditions at Churchill, we just don't know how that changed things. And then Quip, who is also owned by Windstar, who owns a big chunk 
of the Derby winner, Quip is going to run in the Preakness Stakes. It will be interesting. He's coming in off a layoff there. And uh, also Diamond King, we were going to be talking about that horse with Ed later uh, that he was going to go in the Peter Pan. As a matter of fact, he was 7-2. to two. Um, He was going to go in the Peter Pan. Plans have changed. Diamond King is going to be rested and go to the Preakness. And one last thing, speaking of the Preakness, Gronkowski, as we know, uh, had a little uh, fever setback, missed some training, wasn't able to go to the Derby. He will be going to the Belmont, and he will be trained by Chad Brown. He's being moved to his barn. Probably nothing wrong with that. He has handled so many horses with European connections and turned them into uh, uh, great uh, uh, runners here in the U.S. Of course, uh, the, the, the Derby, being their overnight ratings were down like one-tenth of a point. But uh, what's interesting is uh, looking at the, uh, the top cities that had the highest ratings, Louisville, Fort Myers, must be a lot of gamblers down there. Then Cincinnati, Knoxville, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, New Orleans, Palm Beach, Tampa, and Orlando. And uh, where I went to school, Dayton, Ohio, college that was, came in at number 12. Well, I got a lot more news, but I can't get to it all. But I do want to get to my interview with Natalie Turner. So we're going to take a quick little break. I'm John Engelhart, and you are listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right. And with me now, a first-time starter at Winning Ponies, hopefully not the last time we're going to have her on. Her name is Natalie Turner. I was first introduced to her years ago uh, by Hall of Fame jockey Chris McCarron, uh, who came up with her when she was just kind of starting her career out at River Downs. And uh, he told me, he walked up to me, he said, John, this girl's going to be a winner. I said, excellent rider, huh? He goes, well, she's a good rider, but she's going to be a winner no matter what she does in life. He said, this girl is really, really sharp. So whatever way she decides to go, she's going to be a success. Um, So I already gave you her resume at the top of the show. So with no further ado, Natalie Turner, welcome to Winning Ponies. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Happy to. Well, describe your let's let's rewind the clock a little bit. Describe your earliest days and exposure to horses or horse racing. Well, I did the normal little girl pony thing everybody can attest to, but horse racing. Um, I started with an internship at Turfway Park in the racing office, so taking in trees and getting on the phones, things like that. And from there, I met some people on the backside and. Ended up going back there, cleaning stalls, hot walking. So I made the normal progression to galloping the old horses. <laughs> and then they started putting me on some not-so-old horses. But I have to say my people were pretty good and didn't put me on anything too wild to begin with. So I had an easy bringing into it. Now, at what point did you decide to go to the North American Racing Academy? I honestly didn't know it existed until I'd won a scholarship and I was already at UK for equine studies and I was in a scholarship camp and I met a kid who was in the jockey school. So I went and applied for the next semester, got accepted and transferred from UK to the jockey school, which is run through BCTC. And uh, so what was that like? I mean, well, you know, give me a, if there's such a thing as a routine day, uh, what was it like at, at NARA as we may call it? It was pretty much like you'd see on any racetrack, very early mornings, very harsh and quick critiques you're expected to learn fast and you're expected to do it right and take care of the horse which we all did thankfully I had some experience going into it but some of my classmates didn't know how to put a halter on so there was a steeper learning curve for some as compared to me thankfully I knew a little bit about it so it made my whole time there fairly easier and it was a great experience for me and like you mentioned with Chris was there I mean I wouldn't have done half the things I did in my life or had those connections if I hadn't gone to that school. So I'm very thankful for it. Now you are from another generation. Did did you have, do you understand or did you understand at the time who Chris McCarron was? Not really until Chris started talking and you hear some of the stories he says, and it's really hard to believe, but if you go and look them up, they're true. He has done all (laughs) these things. He's won all these things and he's just, it's great to be around somebody who's so enthusiastic and so passionate about the sport when you're young and eager too, because it just breathes everything into it and makes you even that more excited. You know, I couldn't believe somebody that's quote retired was still getting his butt out of bed at about five in the morning every day to get down there and work with you guys. Yeah. And he'll yank you right off that horse. And he did it to me multiple times. He said, get off, give me your helmet and vest. And he gets on the horse and shows you how it's done. Makes it look easy. I get back on there and mess it up again. But there's 60 years of experience versus my two months. So he's still got it. He's still getting on those horses and still showing all of us how it's done. 
<laughs> well, well, that's that, that's great. Now, in the school is not just about hey, get up on a horse and ride it, and I would teach you how to be a jockey. I mean, there, there's other um, broader things that the racing academy teaches you. Correct? Yeah, they linked up with Bluegrass Community and Technical College, which I think is great. So I was able to get a degree while I was learning the jockey aspect of it. And it worked out perfectly. It's what Chris designed the school for, for when we're done riding and to move on to the next phase in life. I already had a degree, so I was able to apply for this position at Belterra Park, Cincinnati, and I got hired. I mean, my transition from retirement to new career was less than three months because that school set me up for my dream job and then afterwards. Well, uh, tell me about your early days in the saddle, either your first ride or your first win. Well, you were there for both of them. <laughs> it was at uh, <laughs> River Downs. And I think if, you know, I had any idea what I was doing up there in my first race, I probably should have won that one too. But Yuri Uranga beat me in a photo finish, and then I came back later that day to win my first race. So I rode two that day and got beaten in a photo finish and won the second one. And I still remember them. I, it still haunts me that I didn't win that first race because I was just happy to be out there and then <laughs> got to ride in a little too late probably. But... Live and learn. Well, well and those, so, so then from there, you, you rode a little bit at Churchill, a little bit at Ellis. Uh, when did you kind of get the epiphany that, you know, I really enjoy doing this, but this is tougher than a 25-cent steak, and I've got a lot of other talents that I can apply. Maybe I'll move from the saddle to a different position in racing. It took me probably longer than it should have to figure it out. I think I figured it out. It was just kind of accepting it that, hey, my career is, you know, it's not going to go to the top level, and that's okay. I was I had an f- amazing run at it, got to travel the world, and I'm safe and I'm healthy. So it was just kind of, I guess, me catching up to what the stats were trying to tell me, that, hey, you know, you're meant to go do on and do something else. So I did, and I came home, and there happened to be this job at Belterra, and I applied, I got it, and I said, well, there you go. It just all worked out perfectly to hang up the tack and then go into the office. Well, uh, tell us about your new job, how you found out about it, and what it's been like in the early days. I've been there about a month and a half um, in marketing, and I found it just looking on the internet, horse racing jobs. It popped up, and I really like it so far. They're very open, and we've been doing a lot since we just started racing, trying to merge our racing group with our older, I guess, casino-type group because we do have both options available. So we've got some fun events coming up, and we're really looking forward to it. You know, I'm going to think when they went through and saw your resume, they found a diamond in the rough because, as you know, I I worked there for a couple of years before I moved on, and uh, most of the people did come from a casino background or a social media background, and all of a sudden... uh, Here's this person with a college degree and a degree from the North American Racing Academy um, that brings all of this experience from the racing side. Uh, you know, I just wonder what it was like for them going, wow, she's got she's got all this experience and she's got, you, you, you know, the, the, the talent to be a marketer. I mean – I just think it's a fantastic combination to have you in that position. They've got other people that do marketing to the casino people, but I think you can bridge the gap between two people, between the betting public and the horses in the casino, and hopefully between people 
about your age, Natalie, to see what you can Mm -hmm. do to get them interested in the game. And I'm interested in your views on that. Yeah, I think that I agree with you 100%. We definitely need people my age out there. And it's just such a drastic difference from what you go see at Keeneland, which is all people my age, to something in Cincinnati. I know it's different demographics and different. We don't have UK here and we're a casino and not, um, they don't have it. But I would love to see that kind of crowd everywhere. Ideally, that's probably not going to happen. But we do need to try and figure out. And Cincinnati is a young population. We've got a bunch of people down there who go out on the weekends and look for fun stuff to do. So I think it's just a matter of showing them how fun racing can be. And if you don't like that and want to go spend $20 in the casino, that's fun too. Just showing it as an entertainment type center as well, not just a casino or not just a racetrack. You can go there and have fun with your friends. Exactly. Um, Let's see. I don't know if uh, what time you came in and where you could hear what I was broadcasting. But the overnight ratings nationally for viewership of the Kentucky Derby, Cincinnati was third in the nation. So that tells me there's a great interest in the sport where you're working right now. I did not hear that. I can't wait to go into work tomorrow and tell everybody. I think that's great. I, it just I, shows I, that there's people here that want it. We just have to let them know it's here and get them here. Well, uh, you, you can go up. Uh, I got. I pulled that down from the Blood Horse. The headlines: Kentucky Derby overnight ratings, and uh, you'll see that uh, not not only Cincinnati, but uh, Dayton, Ohio, who's only 45 miles to the north of you, was number 12 in the nation in interest in horse racing. So you, as a marketeer, uh, you know that gives you some you know, uh, things to work with going, hey, wait a second. If you think nobody's looking at us, look who's looking at the Kentucky Derby. You know, I mean, you know, we beat out, you know, New Orleans, you know. We beat out, uh, you know, so many other cities. But just a name drop in the top 15 was also Cleveland and Columbus. So we've got four Ohio cities that ranked in the top of viewing horse racing, you know, don't say the ground's not fertile. I think it is in this area, and it's up to you, Natalie Turner, to start making it grow. Challenge accepted. And I'm going to start <laughs> with that article and show everybody tomorrow. I think that's, I mean, I had no idea. I'm very surprised by it, but it's a good surprise. And it just is a good solid base ne- for, hey, we want to start trying to do this stuff, and here's why. Because people are interested. I know, and I know a lot of the people, and God bless them, their interest and their background is from the casinos, so I understand where they're coming from, okay? But for you mm-hmm. to be able to put this on the table at your next meeting and go, come here, guys, here are the top 15 nationwide cities interested in horse racing, and it's proven right here with the ratings, and Four of those cities are in Ohio, and two of them are within 45 miles of this racetrack, including Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, that's something you need to bring to the table because it is eye-opening. It really is, Natalie. And so the, the people are out there. You've just got to get them in. When you get them there, you got to treat them good, and you've got to get somebody like you out there speaking to them. I know they don't have a paddock person at Belterra. Uh, have you ever given we that? We talked about that today. You should. I mean, if only on Saturdays and Sundays, Natalie, because I'm sure you're dying to work weekends. Uh, (laughs) Hey, look, I love working weekends. That's why I gave up horse racing. 
I was in the game 33 years, and just last year I was sitting there watching a Dayton Dragons game going, oh, my God, it's Memorial Day, and I'm not at the racetrack running an event. <laughs> you know, I you mean, know, th- you don't know what a weekend is anymore or a holiday. What's that? It, no, and you, a holiday you're is in our the derby other- day. That's our holiday. Right, and you're in the entertainment business. You've got to understand that. You've got to entertain people on their day off. And don't forget, you know, uh, September 28th will come sooner or later, and then I'm sure you can shift your schedule a little bit bit and go back into the marketing, uh, you know, back inside the casino. But uh, anyhow, I, I just think you are going to be a real plus to the game, Natalie. What, what I, really I know about you. I appreciate that. Thank you. There, there's no doubt about it. I mean, just the conversations we've had recently that you have revitalized the the jockeys visiting children's hospital. You know, that's that's at least one big step. That's one event because that's a win-win for you and the racetrack you work for. You know what I mean? There's no downside to making kids with cancer happy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the kids love it. They get so excited when we bring in the goggles or the wind picture. Because then they can watch the TV and they watch the Derby and Breeders' Cup should be right around that time. So it gives them, hey, you know, I met a jockey. It gives them something to talk to the other kids about. And it's just, they love it. So it makes just even better trip for us. All right. Well, the torch is passed to you, Natalie Turner. It's your job to revitalize an interest in horse racing at the track you work at and uh, at the city of Cincinnati. We'll give it a good go. We'll make it happen. All right. If anybody can, it's Natalie Turner. It's been great spending time and talking to her. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back. That's right, the man I admire the most, Admire, will be with us here on Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, the man that passed the baton that is known as the Winning Ponies microphone to me, the one, the only, Steady Eddie, Ed Meyer. Ed, how does the day greet you? It does me wonderful, John. It's always great to be on here with you and uh, talking horses, have a lot of fun. And uh, I tell you what, really enjoyed uh, listening to Natalie. That was a great, she's going to be a great addition. Yeah, she really is. I, I, I hope they they let the reins go and give her her head and, and, and let her move on with it because to get somebody with all of her talent, and she's kind of easy on the eyes, um, I think she can go a long way and maybe run in groups. As she st- said, it came up in a meeting today about her maybe doing some paddock work, which I would think would be great uh, You know, to get people watching the signal. And I I'm guessing you caught the tail end of that. How about the television reviews of your neck of the woods on a national basis? Incredible! It's 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 not hard to believe. It's 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 kind of one of those secrets that we've always kind of known. And, and but now, when you actually have quantitative proof uh, to come out and say, "Hey, now you know, take a look at this area," John, it has to make your job a lot happier for breeders and owners to actually uh, to, to, to be able to serve this up to them as, uh, you know, as a metric to, you know, this is what the people in our area are doing. This is what they're interested in. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, a- absolutely. I was a little disappointed in Dayton because last year they were like uh, number five. So I'm going to have to start calling the guys at Flanagan's Pub and going, hey, did you have all the TVs on the Derby? Come on. <laughs> Well, no, they, they, it was the PPs they had. What they needed was the, they needed a, a quality handicapper to kind of lead the charge. Well, uh, this quality handicapper liked at the top two horses in the Derby. And I pretty much said, this horse is either going to win or going to finish off the board. And the two horses I mentioned were Justify and Mendelssohn, and I was right on both counts. <laughs> Because one won and one finished way off the board, uh, 23 links behind. But I think Ryan Moore just got tired about being banged around so much early in, in the race. I mean, you know, they're looking down the road, these European guys. It's like, you know, I don't got to put up with the rainiest day at Churchill Downs to stamp this as a quality horse. I'll go over there and start winning group ones in Europe like they're a dime a dozen. And I just got a feeling that between the trouble he had and, and the track condition and everything that Ryan Moore just wrapped up. Uh, it, it just wasn't his day. I'm going to, that's my statement, and I'm standing to it. On the other hand, Mike Smith, fantastic job on Justify. Hats off to Bob Baffert. I mean, he's the friggin' master. And the curse of Apollo has been lifted, Ed. How about those apples? You like apples? How about those apples? First <laughs> since 1882. I mean, it, it curses, everything's dismissed, black cats get out of town. 
I mean, first off, you get Bob Baffert, 65 years young. He's won five derbies, only second to Ben Jones, who trained for Calumet back in the era of dominance here. I mean, we, we're in our kind of our own little run here now with Bob Baffert and all of the charm that he actually brings to the game. Uh, his next Triple Crown win... A triple round race will tie him with D. Wayne Lucas for 14. I mean, we're 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 living in wow. some of the coolest times to be a horse racing fan, John. Yeah, and I see Lucas out there. He still gets up on horses in the morning. But Ed, I know he's in his 80s. Uh, he, I'll tell you what, he could go three rounds with a champ. I was watching him give an interview, and it was hard to believe he, he's got that eternal. 50 look to him, uh, maybe even 40. I mean, he looked great. He sounded spectacular. He's, he's in charge of his game, his operation. And I'll tell you what, I think both of us would be all out. And uh, we, we'd have to lay the million-dollar uh, bet on us just to actually climb up in the saddle. But here he is. He's out and about, and I, which I find just fascinating, that he really wants to be up close to his horses and, and see his operation in full swing. He's not just mailing it in from the, uh, you know, from the uh, shed row and, you know, sitting in his, uh, you know, his SUV just texting out. He's out there still hands-on. I, I, I love the coach. I'll tell you what, he's been a whole lot of fun to watch. But, hey, but don't take anything away from Bob Baffert. Right now, the purple light is all on Mr. Baffert. I'm, I'm just, I'm elated with uh, Justify. Uh, you know, I, I have to admit, I really was one of the disbelievers that, you know, anyone could break this 1882 Apollo streak. Not only did they break it, he just decimated it. And, and I, I was really impressed with that overall. Handle was up. I mean, it was the rainiest day. So it wasn't just a prime, perfect, fast track. I mean, anytime I, I see Mr. Baffert come to there, it, to me, John, it looks like he's he's getting a little more emotional in time, and I and I and I really think he's really dropping back and appreciating every moment. Well, that's what happens when you turn sixty-five. I can tell you that, but he really doesn't look it. You know, he's <laughs> no, still straight and lively in the morning. Uh, he's got his beautiful wife Jill, and there's some Bodie nearby. So it's kind of, it's kind of. I mean, he seems to just keep himself young now. Uh, how much credence did you get to the scuttlebutt about the the, the rear end uh, injury when the horse had a little bit of a hitch in his get along the day after the Derby? Wow, fifty fifty. When I first saw the video. From a layman's standpoint, I, I looked at it and I said, "Whoa, wow! You know that that did not look good." And now, then, wait, Ed, you know, Ed, do you mean from a lame man's viewpoint? Or? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, it really, it really did. It had the appearance of lameness. And you know, there were other people that were actually showing this to me, and they know horse flesh like you do, and they were they were all in agreement that this doesn't look good. And then you know, you know, in the next day or so, it kind of flushes itself out that it was you know more along the, along the lines of a diaper rash. <laughs> and I, I'm gonna have I'm I'm still on the fence of a wait and see. I sure hope that it is that quote diaper rash, uh, mud rash, or whatever they they refer to it as now. 
I would love to see Justify was a monster when, when won the Santa Anita Derby. I actually uh, was watching the race with my dad, and I was I was never so taken aback by the stride. It, it just it had that look of all the champions of past. It, it, it's such a long, reaching stride. Just just give me more, and I knew that we had something there to watch. But I still stayed on the fence of let's don't get you know too overly excited here. But after the Derby, it was hard not to. Mike Smith broke straight as an arrow, didn't have a drop of mud. You had a great seat as they were actually going around the, the far turn. I mean, to keep white silks, I mean, just pristine clean, he didn't get a drop on. Yeah, on a day like that, you're not kidding. You would think you know, at least something out of the gate. So, I mean, you know, the stars have aligned, um, you know, uh, Everybody that watched him go today said he looked 100% uh, that they they weren't worried about it at all. And uh, so we'll, you know, we'll find out what happens. But it, it would be great to see him, you know, obviously emulate American Pharaoh. It's good for the game. I know, again, we were talking about Knox. We had the Curse of Apollo. And then everybody said, well, I don't think Scat Daddy can get a horse going a mile and a quarter. Well, that horse sure didn't look like he had a problem going a mile and a quarter and as you know there will be horses laying in wait uh, for the belmont stakes we've got uh gronkowski coming over for europe and and his only you know reason is to uh you know run a mile and a half which he's probably bred and ready to go he's been moved to the chad brown barn and i thought it was interesting he's a race we're going to handicap a little bit later uh the peter pan i don't know if you saw that diamond king who was one of the favorites in there has now scratched out of the Peter Pan, has decided to go to the Preakness Stakes. Of course, he's the winner of the uh, Frederic Tessio, which gives you an automatic bid to the Preakness Stakes. But they were sitting on, you know, near favoritism in the Peter Pan and have decided to go in there. And uh, it looks like both the Oro uh, may come back and try him again. But I'll, I'll tell you what, going a shorter distance yeah, maybe he'll get good weather. Uh, of course, he's got to contend with the other uh, uh, Windstar horse, Quip, um, who will, uh, you know, uh, be going to post. But I'm sure, you know, Windstar Farms got to look out for everybody, and they can't play favorites. So Quip will be in the field. Uh, is is there anybody else in the Preakness that kind of caught your eye or? You know that you think could be a, a threat to justify because right now uh, I'm looking at even money or less. Wow! If you get even money, I'd say that you really you're really getting a bargain, especially after what we saw uh, at uh, in in the slop <laughs> going a mile and a quarter facing twenty uh, at Churchill Downs, and they were running blistering fractions. If you get even money, I'm going to say, John, that's real value. And seldomly, you know, can I can I honestly just say that with a straight face? Even money is great value. You're going to see you're going to see a smallish field, and there's a lot of runners that are still on the fence here. You know, good magic, strong possibility still. But John, the, the, right now we're in that we're in that hinter zone of of the new shooters and who's forming up. You know, we we talked about you talked about Quip. 
you know, that, that can really, uh, you know, bring it to the table. The Reading tenfold from the Steve Asmussen barn, who finished fifth in the, in the Arkansas Derby. You know, there, there's a lot of runners that, you know, are, they're still on the, you know, still on the bubble here. But I don't see a big field. I, I, I see this, this runner being four to five, three to five, and just romping there. You know, what, what really kind of caught my eye is Bob Baffert has saddled five Kentucky Derby winners, and each of the previous four has gone on to win the Preakness Stake. And, wow. you know, that's, that's incredible, you know, right off the bat. I mean, that, uh, you know, he really has a, a real pension with this. He won the Preakness with point given in 2001 and looking lucky in 2010. You know, just a couple that really popped to my mind that really just were spectacular. And I have to say that this next week is really going to be exciting, just like the Derby was coming in for the long road here. There's going to be a smallish field. But, in fact, there, there could still be great value for your betters there in your tries and your supers. But for me right now to bet against Justify, I think I'd have to be a madman. And we, we've already found out that, uh, that he's, he's impervious to mud, the weather, and three-plus three inches of rain in Louisville and 160,000 screaming fans. I'm pretty impressed right now, and I'm I'm going to probably just be wagering on pick fours and hoping to hoping to come in to justify and and actually you know strike gold there. But you know I'm I'm really impressed with just the way Bob Baffert has really just taken uh, t- taken off, and you know he handled it such such with gentle. You know when he was a little younger, he'd hold up the trophy above his head. He was a little more brouhaha, having fun, but you know he's kind of he's kind of mellowed into that elder statesman and and bob baffert is <laughs> has been a whole lot of fun he, he i know he'd probably take a swing at me for saying something like that no but that's was, good i mean i really think that uh, i really think that they, they've got the real deal here all right well before we get on to the races i want to handicap um late breaking news i don't know if you saw it or not but uh it's going to be in your backyard the breeders cup down at churchill friday is going to be pretty much all two-year-olds uh, the juvenile Phillies, the juvenile Phillies turf, the juvenile turf, and uh, the Breeders' Cup juvenile are all going to be race uh, on Friday, as well as the juvenile turf sprint. Um, y- y- your read on that? I don't know if you even knew that yet or not. It just came out a couple hours ago. You know, John, I really didn't know that, but I, I think it's exciting. You know, it- I think actually uh, Bob Baffert was was quoted as saying, you know, we we've just you know crossed this hurdle, but now we're looking at two year olds for next year, and you know we're we're already starting the process for next year already, and yet he's just climbed the biggest hurdle of all, the Kentucky Derby. I think it's spectacular. I, I think, you know, by giving us a glimpse of what's out there and the breeding-wise, and I think you can only help the game to showcase the babies. I, I'm a big fan of, of, of watching a day of that, and, and I really do. I, I, I set my DVR. I want to see every race. I want to see what the babies are doing. Just just on the, the glimpses, the first glimpse that we can get from them, that's why Keeneland's always spectacular when you go down in the spring and, and you and you see in Churchill the same, and you see what the babies are doing. I I can't wait. I know I did not know, and I'm glad you, you uh, you've enlightened me there. Well, ho- hopefully, winning ponies will sponsor you and I to come down with them in a box at the Breeders' Cup. So, yeah, uh, that'll be a really nice day. <laughs> just throw just throwing out there for anybody from uh, management that's listening. Anyhow, <laughs> Ed, let's move on 
to a race that has a serious impact on the Belmont Stakes at Belmont Park. It's a mile and an eighth, the Peter Pan Stakes. Let me throw a few names out to you. Coastal, AP Indy, Seeking the Gold, Danzig Connection, and Tonalist. What do they all have in common? I guess they play the role of the spoiler as this is a as a springboard, I'm guessing. They all won the Peter Pan yep. and went on to win the Belmont Stakes. So this <laughs> this is an interesting Yes, this is an interesting race to watch. It really is. Now again, Diamond King's out, which is gonna bring us down just to a field of seven. Now shipping in from the West Coast, uh, Peter Yurton's bringing in the horse that ran third behind Justifying both the Oro. Uh, core beliefs is uh, the morning line favorite. Tyler Bass is coming in to rise. Uh, he, uh, he's lightly raced again. He's a he, he's Apollo uh, curse eligible. Did not race it two. Uh, only has his maiden win. Uh, at a mile the 16th, but a lot of people thinking, you know, being a quality road cult, uh, he might be uh, the, the one to meet, beat. Um, and uh, so he drew the rail. He's got a little bit of early foot, but not a whole lot. Um, Brad Cox, who won the Kentucky Oaks, is coming in with High North, who made his last start at Oaklawn Park, winning the Northern Spurs Stakes. And uh, then, uh, you know, you got... Uh, Scratch your head, blended citizen who ran fourth in the bluegrass behind Good Magic has been uh, stabled in Kentucky. Is shipping over for Doug O'Neill. Uh, I don't know how much of a chance you had to look at this race. It's kind of a, it's a mixed bag. For for me, John, I was really counting on Diamond King to be in there, but in fact. You know, I, after winning the Tessio, which has been a springboard for the Preakness, you know, I kind of knew in the back of my heart that, you know, where we'd probably be seeing this cult of quality road. For me, in this race here, I really like Blended Citizen. I, I watched the uh, Jeff Ruby stakes at Turfway Park, and it was on the poly, and, I mean, he really closed strongly. This son of Proud Citizen was just he was just uh, heels and hindquarters, uh, by far the best, but he just he, he ran into a lot of trouble. And he ran into a lot of trouble where he had to, I watched three times where he had to stop, and he had to stop, and he had to stop, and he still wins to get up past Pony Up, who finished very well down down at uh, Keeneland, and I was very impressed with Pony Up, uh, the way he finished up. I think we're looking at a really nice runner who can come from off the pace from the Doug O'Neill barn, who's winning 17%, and Blended Citizen has what's called a time form late number of 103, which means you will see him coming in the last quarter mile, and Kyle Frey really believes in this runner, and not just because he has the mount, he was really high coming in. Each time that he's, he's been aboard, closes like the wind. I like Blended Citizen for an upset yeah and unlike let's say zing zang and stuff while he's a closer he's not one of these out of the cloud closers uh he seems to be able to rate four or five links off the pace setter and, and still come on and get the job done and this race is a mile and an eighth he's won at a mile and an eighth albeit on poly uh but you know didn't disgrace himself in the in the bluegrass uh i can certainly see reasons why you would you would like this horse um, you know, again, 
this is a wide open race. You got people making changes. Asmussen's putting blinkers on Zing Zang. He is one that comes from another zip code, and uh, blinkers on on uh, Gotta Go. Well, I got about four minutes left, so let's spend two minutes on each of our last races, if we can, Eduardo. And that would be the Man of War, a grade one that's been run for 60 races at Belmont Park. Hope the weather's good. It's on the inner turf. A horse that I've uh, won and lost a lot of money on, Sadler's Joy, uh, has uh, been installed the slight three-to-one favorite. Um, Again, we were talking about you know, horses, and I've heard your race calls before, it's like, so-and-so is in another zip code. Well, Sadler's Joy makes it his running style to be in another zip code when he goes to post, but I do see that Julian Le Paru will be making the trip uh, to Belmont Park to ride him, but you've also got High Happy in here, uh, who's coming off a win in the Pan American, and catch me if you can, one go, all go. Where are you going? I'm going to go for a little German bread called Wake Forest. One for three at Belmont, but this is second start off of a layoff. Grade one's all down the road here, and is no, it is no surprise here. Javier Castellano rides, and Wake Forest is a stone-cold closer, a 109 late number. You're going to see this German bread uh, by Sir Percy coming really late in the game here. Javier Castellano, he's become the new money man. I'm very sold on both horse and rider teaming up together. I think every time they've actually paired up together, only once you can toss out, and that was the man of war last year. And you know what? I think they're going to come back, and they're going to make amends for last year for their backers. I love Wake Forest at 6-1. to one. That's pretty good value for the Chad Brown barn. Yes, he did. He won the Man of War in 2016, so we know he's a horse for course and can get the distance. Ed, I'm down to about a minute and a half, but we're going to your hometown here, brother. Hard to believe I got a call from Ron Paolucci today. He is, in fact, starting a horse that started in the Kentucky Oaks. Heaven has my Nicky in the Tomboy Stakes, and he said, I really hope we're going on the grass. It's a head-scratcher, and I certainly think if there's ever a chance for Ohio Breads to beat this horse, it's on Sunday. Well, yes and no. I think just just the class angle here, stepping out of the Oaks, and I really don't think that it really took a lot out of her. I'm so glad that uh, Ron Paolucci has Heaven Has My Nicky coming here. I know that he just wouldn't be sending for the heck of it, and, and I'm really, really sold on the rider. Luis Colon aboard, John. Uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Today we started with a soft turf course and upgraded to firm in the in the. The numbers of the, the fractions were just blistering. So I think the, the course is really growing into its own at Belterra. I think heaven has my Nikki. Actually, right when we're done here, I'll be making the morning line for Sunday. I'm afraid that Mr. Paolucci may not uh, be, be, uh, be looking to make a million dollars from the wagering end, but uh, I would have to say that heaven has my Nikki is going to be the overwhelming favorite, probably right around four to five, yeah, just on back class alone and i'm really sold on the whole operation i i I just think she's going to be double tough all right well we've been talking with ed meyer uh earlier on the show we had natalie turner i want to thank them both i want to thank my producer josh for getting me out in time and i want to thank 
you for listening. If you like the show, tell friends about it. Don't forget it's on podcast. And don't forget, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.